the FFFL preseason podcast finale. Uh, you asked, and Matt is forcing me to do this. So, welcome to the podcast. What do you got for us, Matt? Well, I think it's a good time. Got what two nights, three nights until kickoff. Um, kind of review how everything went with the online format. Go through the rookie uh, draft, make a couple comments, and then hit the the coveted annual preseason power rankings and spend some time ragging on Mahoney and some of the others. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the uh, draft was uh, exciting. I think after Friday night's debacle of uh, somebody not knowing how to use technology, I was very concerned about Saturday, um, but I think it worked out okay. Yeah, the um, hopefully we don't have to do it again, but headsets are a must. I think for any sort of group online uh, draft or, or meeting of any sort and not using an iPad beside a laptop for no reason at all. It's probably the two big learnings and maybe not all sitting beside each other. Use your own hotel rooms. <laughs> uh, yes, that was that was good. Um, I did. I don't know what you thought and what anyone thought about it, but I did actually really like separating the draft. Um, I found that uh, it was kind of nice to do the rookie draft in the RFAs and then be able to like take that time. Of course, you know, no one sleeps, it's draft night, but then to kind of line up what you're going to do rather than like the 15 minute break. Yeah, I think that, I think it worked really, I think it worked really well. Um, I also, and it could just be, I can't prove it, but I felt like there was a lot more, hey, slow down, I might trade this pick. Do you want to move up? Do you want to move down? I thought it was a lot easier to do that in the rookie draft in the online format because you can just say to everyone, hey, hold on, I'm working, you know, and then text or, you know, I texted Serena in the third round. I wanted to move, I wanted to take KJ Hamler and I, you know, she was four picks ahead of me. So I just messaged her privately. Hey, before you make your pick, do you want 304, 404? And it was easy and quick. And I really liked that because I like those move ups and downs. When you see someone on your list you want to get, you can make the deal, right? Yeah, and I think we might, regardless, we might continue that um, going forward. I I think it just worked out so much better. And then, like, I know it was supposed to start at 8, but I think Dave started picking at, like, quarter after 7 or something. And that also helped, too, because it just, you know, officially it took two hours or whatever. But, you know in reality it took longer but there was no real pressure on like okay hurry up and pick because you know this is going on forever so um so hopefully we're live next year but uh if not we will do that and even if we are live maybe we'll we'll do the online uh the night before as well so speaking of live i know we had mentioned this uh but um talking about going to canmore in 2021 for kind of the 10th year anniversary um, I've started looking at some hotels and things like that. And I think kind of the best bet that I've found is there's lots of hotels that have boardrooms and things like that. But I think the best bet is we get a few people that are willing to share like a three bedroom. It ends up kind of being cheaper for those people anyway um, than, than just having like a one bedroom to yourself. And then we would do the draft in that room and then we don't have to worry about booze and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a... I think last year it was, oh, we'll go to Vegas next year, but we know Mahoney and Dave are not welcome in that city as far as as far oh, as I understand. We have to so. hear this story again. 
So Camor, I think, works good. It's a close drive, even if someone doesn't want to sit, stay overnight and spend the money, or or if they've got other things, it's 45 minutes to an hour, depending where you are in the city, right? So you can drive out for the draft and then drive home. Um, I mean, for Iftidi to go to the Scotsman's Well, it's this pretty much the same drive time. So I think it's a good idea. I think we should keep the momentum up and just keep um, kind of gauge the interest and see if we can pull it off, assuming COVID's behind us. No, and I think that's the biggest thing for Canmore is if someone can't make the draft or or not necessarily make the draft, hopefully you can make the draft, but can't uh, come for the whole weekend because I would think we would try to do some stuff on the weekend, whether it be brewery tours or golf or whatever, then fine, you can't make it. But yeah, you can drive out 45 minutes to the draft and yeah, we all take that long to get to Scotsman's well anyway from the south. So I'll keep up the momentum and yeah, if anyone has any ideas or comments on that, please uh, feel free to uh, let us know. Um, but with that, let's go into kind of the uh, rookie draft review. Any initial thoughts uh, on the first few picks or first round? Yeah, I think it was an interesting year for the, I mean, the, the top one and two pick, it seemed like it could go either way, but there was a pretty much a consensus one and two. Um, so it was interesting to get a peek behind the curtain and hear Dave via text on his drive out to Radium or wherever it was. Oh, I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff about Clyde Edwards. Oh, I'm hearing all this stuff about Taylor. It was, it was interesting. It was neat. Um, I liked seeing two quarterbacks go. I wouldn't have surprised me if if Herbert also went, to be honest. In this, and and what I mean is we're really seeing the impact of the Superflex, right? So um, having two or three more viable first-round choices this year, I think really up the value of those even those middle first-round picks. It kind of feels like pre-Superflex, if you're not in the top three or top five, it's, you know, there's not a lot of value there. And I think Superflex has helped with that um, to see Burrow go six and Tua go ten. Um, I really like that, and and I think it'll carry into the next couple of years as well, while you st- start to see more quarterbacks go. Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, the whole one-two pick situation. I feel like Dave's been t- saying he's taking Taylor the whole time, and I I kind of had it in the back of my head that he was just trolling everyone and going to take Ceh. <laughs> <laughs> so then when when he was up to pick, I just typed in his pick as. Uh, Clyde Taylor or something like that so we could just move on with our lives but um yeah he stuck with Taylor which I think the Serena's in the best spot I think because she gets the 500k discount and she can't really be wrong because every consensus ranking has them uh one two so only Dave can be wrong if if Taylor ends up busting out which he won't but um same thing yeah I think uh, uh quarterbacks just helps the value of pick on Herbert I was I was surprised. I hadn't even looked at him in my in my looking because I knew I I didn't pick till 24, so he wasn't. I expected him to be long gone by then. Um, and yeah, I I had I think like four people text me at my pick, and I'm pretty sure they all wanted Herbert. So I was like, well, you know, with a guy that in you know that I had ranked uh, like I think somewhere around 12, 13, 14. I was like, well, I just have to take him. Not that I was planning on taking a quarterback, but um, that's just the way she goes when you're when you have no picks all the way to 24. I think I was one of those. I when we were texting during the draft and it, he was still there, still there. I offered you my third and fourth because that's who I was going to take. But I think it was the right choice. And then you could see, there was kind of like a run because Locke, Herbert, and Minshew all went within three or four picks of each other. And then Slayton another. So that was another point we didn't talk about was the carry, number of carry forward picks too. It was interesting 
having maybe having super flex you know prop those two guys up too yeah no i think that was huge for those two and i know uh, mahoney drafted eason in the uh like auction so he won't be a carry for but who knows there could be someone coming out of nowhere i know pick 12 and 13 of the second round i could just feel uh joel with his pick coming up uh in the third just his heart ripping out of his soul when Minshew and Slayton <laughs> went back to back, uh, his well-known favorite players. Nice. Yeah. So that was, it was interesting. I like to see that anything, any back to the first round, anybody that went stood out for you as a bit of a reach or any surprises with the order. Um, I had a couple of thoughts on the wide receivers, but why don't you go ahead first? Yeah, I think Ruggs, I think, I know he was the first pick in the NFL draft. I kind of expected him. I know when we did the mock, we just kind of threw him at the 14 pick because I was like, well, at some point you have to trust the NFL scouts. But I just think he's a speed receiver downfield guy. And Derek Carr is just not that quarterback. So I could see him having some trouble in year one. I mean, if the Raiders are not very good and then they draft one of these big name quarterbacks next year, um, I think he would, you know, still be a good pick. I, I don't think it's crazy at 11. Like, if he doesn't go at 11, he's going before probably by, like, 17. So it's not, like, way off the board or anything. What about you? Yeah, I feel like you could kind of group most of those picks, like 11 through, I don't know, 204, 205. It's kind of a, a similar, a lot of wide receivers, and it's kind of hard to say who's going to gonna hit i mean i i drafted nelson aguilar in the first round a couple years back who is also a first round nfl receiver and i in my head well they know what they're doing he's a first round talent it's going to be an easy choice and that was a huge bust um so you could see some of that with the wide receivers i was a bit surprised to see zach moss and brian edwards and i'll go back to the nfl those guys were both third round picks and there was a number of um for, there was when i mean there was a number of second round picks still available I think Michael Pittman, LaVisca Chenault, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, and A.J. Dillon, and a first-round player too, Brandon Ayuk. So um, I was a bit surprised to see third-round players go with that many second-round players. But again, we've seen it, you know, we've seen it go. And with Moss, I guess, with the running back scarcity, it kind of made sense. Um, do you think, speaking of running back scarcity, do you think Antonio Gibson at 202 is kind of the steal of the draft now? And where would he have gone if the Peterson news, uh, the the release had happened before the draft? Yeah, I think I think Gibson's a steal now at 202. I mean, he could, you know, he could turn into Alf Morris and have one good year, Andre Ellington. But um, I mean, I, I got to feel like if if we drafted today, I would think he's going in that, you know, 10, 11, 12 range. I don't know if he's he might be ahead of Moss even he might even go higher just because of running back scarcity um but yeah I think that ended up being a really good pick because of the news that came out so good high upside shot by Carter at the 16 pick yeah I um I also want to avoid picking right after Alex because his first pick Dobbins I, we all assumed he was gonna go swift and I had all these great trades in place to move Dobbins around and shuffle around in the round and then in the second round he took Chenault who I know is you're high on and that's who I was hoping to get there at 204, and he took him right before me. So thanks I'm a lot, Alex. I'm still waiting for Alex to send me uh, uh, Chenault for Herbert because I know Alex only drafted Derek Carr, so he needs some quarterback for the future. I know uh, 
Yeah, he definitely should do that if he listens to this podcast, but we'll see. Um, yeah, the other interesting one, I, I really liked pick 205. You alluded to that in that range, and that was Denzel Mims by Riley, and I really uh, liked how uh, Brian called Riley. He didn't have his phone on mute, and we got to hear how uh, who ran their team when they were uh, the two of them on the same team because uh, I think Brian sounded like an NFL GM explaining to uh, Riley who who the couple players were that were available there. <laughs> That's awesome. Denzel Mim. Yeah. Never heard of him. No, and and, and sorry, I know you <laughs> mentioned Ayuk too. I think uh, him falling to 208 was a surprise to me. So I had actually like, so Edwards that Jeff took at 114 was one player that I was looking at, at at my range. And I know his hype has just kept going up and up. So I'm not surprised he went where he did. Um, but as it, Ayuk was starting to fall and get closer to me. I was like, holy crap, like, how is this guy falling so far? Um, and then, yeah, Joel t- took him. And I think I had him in that, like, 14, 15 kind of range there. I think, actually, I I might be wrong on this, but I think Serena was debating between Pittman and Ayuk at that pick. So I think he was, a, I think him and Gibson were, could be some potentially uh, really good picks in the second round. Well, we'll do a recap next year looking back and making fun of everyone's poor choices yeah i mean chenault should have probably gone in like 105 we'll find out on the recap <laughs> but uh, good you you heard it here first uh the other one i think is a great pick uh that's been uh gaining momentum um is the 309 serena picked van jefferson and i know uh he was just kind of gaining momentum at our draft and he's and he's Apparently, according to beat writers, uh, been, you know, he might be the third wide receiver right out of the gate, which with a rookie is, you know, always good, especially a third round pick. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see all the carry for my last comments on the draft. So Ola B.C. Johnson, uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, Slayton, the two quarterbacks, Locke and Minshew. I think Dawson Knox was a carry forward tight end. Um, it's really interesting to see how many viable carry forward picks there are uh just yeah. we go through all these you know what do we have 56 picks and it's always like oh you're scraping the bottom of the barrel and then next year there's six people that you or five people that you want to take that were yeah. taken nowhere in the last year it's it's always interesting to see yeah i agree there and yeah i think there was more this year than most but i think last year that was just that was just the way it went so um i think that about wraps it up for the rookie draft um is there anything else you have on the rookie draft? No, I'm I'm good. I think it was a really interesting draft, and I think a lot of these, a lot of really good players, and it's nice to see the Superflex impact now, uh, even though we're still a year out. So, yeah, and I unfortunately I don't think we can give out the the uh, Boinkin Award for the biggest reach because I don't see anything that's too crazy. And I mean, once you get to the third and fourth round, uh, you know, I wouldn't classify any of those guys as reaches because you just got to get the guys you want. So yeah, hopefully the, we'll have the, one next year. Yeah, the Boykin Trophy will be on hold this year. So, all right, let's move into. We didn't get a chance before the season or before the draft to do a rankings uh, show. So let's just move into kind of our preseason rankings, and then we can go back at the end of the year and see how wrong we were. Yeah, why don't you? Um, so the way we did it was individually, we kind of tiered the teams together. So we don't have to talk about all fourteen teams, but I think there was a couple of. For both of us, we found a couple of obvious uh, groups of teams. So let's start at the top. And why don't you um, 
give your first tier and then I'll because uh, it, it turns out we had the same two teams in that group and then I'll make a couple of comments. Okay, yeah, I had the two teams in that tier, um, which is uh, Big Tuna and Ryan's Ringers. Um, I think just with some of the free agents that both teams had, um, you know, going into the draft, I think just automatically, I th- this tier is like pretty much guaranteed to make the playoffs. Um, but as we've seen in a lot of years, and including the last two, uh, that can be a short run for the one seed. So that doesn't mean anything. But yeah, these are the two I'd say are locks for the playoffs, um, barring catastrophe, injuries, COVID, all that, but pretty much locks. Yeah, I, so I had the same two teams, but I did have a within the tier, a big difference between yours and Brian's is um, the, the depth, I think. So Brian's got really, really good starting lineup, good group of three wide receivers, Galladay Cup and, and DJ Moore. And then Sutton is his, really his only other receiver. And then uh, Mixon, Chubb, and Gurley. Um, and then the, like he's got uh, Chubb and Hunt. So I, I'm interested to see if he can sustain any prolonged, hey, this guy's going to be out three weeks or four weeks. And as we'll get to when we get to the bottom tier, I don't think his farm team, Riley's team, is going to be able to help him out much this year. So, um, Yeah, I agree with that. I have um, I have kind of some uh, depth rankings, bench rankings, and I actually have only four teams below uh, Brian for bench. So I have him in 10th overall in bench, which is pretty low, but... I re- the year Carter won, I remember at the beginning of the year thinking this guy, like his team is amazing, but if he has some injuries, he's toast. And I think Carter went through most of that season without an injury. So it's hyper fragile, but I mean, there's, there's waivers, there's, you know, there's ways to fill in those. And, and with eight teams making the playoffs, I mean, it's just when those injuries happen, um, if they happen early, then I think easy enough for him to, sustained through waivers and stuff and then just hopefully they don't in the playoffs so yeah i agree yeah he's got i mean he's got a like i think five million i've just got fan tracks open five million in cap space too so there's some flexibility to address that if and when it happens and you know i can contrast it to my team where i have a lot of running backs and wide receivers and none of them are really very good and so it doesn't necessarily help you any to have depth if you don't have a good starting lineup and so i think i think he'll be fine uh, but yeah, it could it could short circuit the the year, but that could happen to anybody. No, and that's that's how fantasy football goes. Depth, yeah. You have no injuries, you have great depth, and it your team just sucks because all you have is depth. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'll give you my. You want me to give you my tier two then? Uh, yeah. Why don't you, yeah go ahead and do that. I think we had yeah. the there was one difference in in team when we get through it. But. Okay, my tier. F- two is like these teams are pretty much going to make the playoffs unless there's um, unless there's big issues kind of similar to tier one I think that tier two is at a little bit more risk than tier one should some things not fall their way and so tier two would be uh, Jeff hanging with Hernandez uh, threat level midnight Carter's football team and triple U yeah and I think you can see it so like with Serena with threat level mid midnight, I think tagging Zeke was a good move and it gives her with the second overall pick getting a, a good running back. I think sets her up well. Um, I think Carter got a, like we talked about a big boost with Gibson kind of moving up in the value and he has some good cheap wide receiver and tight end contracts. So he was able to shore up the rest of the positions 
pretty nicely. So I like how he built um, built his team there. Uh, David Johnson was a big contract, and I think it's worth the risk because he could be bell cow, and there really is wasn't a lot of them available outside of um, say the rookies that you could have got. And so I think he did a good job in the in the draft. So we'll see. Um, Jeff again, it worked out well for him not getting who was it that he didn't get matched on, so he didn't have to give up. Michael Thomas, 32 right. and a half, I think. So he yeah. didn't give up a first and second. And then instead he got Adams for like 2 million cheaper. So Yeah, so that worked out, I think, well well for him. Um, so he had all that, for, you know, had the kind of the big free agent acquisition. And then Dave's got kind of starters up and down the lineup. And I think Dave has good depth too. So I think he, he'll be a pretty resilient team. Yeah, I, um, I actually didn't have him in this tier until I was looking in Fantrax now as we were talking and I kind of flip through it and thought, yeah, I think he's in pretty good shape too. I think all four of these teams shouldn't have a hard time with, especially with that league average scoring change as well. Um, I don't think they'll have a hard time getting in. You know that but once Dave had the most points and didn't make the playoffs, like that can't happen anymore with the, the league average scoring no, as well. It definitely won't happen. Um, I have, so on that tier, I have Jeff with the best bench depth and in that tier and then the second best bench depth in the league. So he definitely, I think, is uh, more of a lock to make the playoffs just because of that. Because should he have those injuries, um, Serena, I have in that uh, the least bench depth of those four. Um, and her bench depth is kind of middle of the pack um, on my rankings. But um, of that four, she had the least bench depth. So she's a little more fragile and an injury could send her a little bit further down. Um, just just to note. And then Carter and Davia yeah, had, had kind of good mid to upper tier bench depth for the league so so yeah no interest it's interesting um do you want to even talk about the next i think there's six teams in the next tier it's describe it as the rest because then there's one tier at the bottom that we i think we should spend some time talking about yeah so i think very quickly the i think these six teams are kind of battling it out for those last two playoff spots assuming my top six are correct um, and potentially for three spots, assuming something happens to one of the uh, other teams we mentioned. So two to three spots for six teams. And it's Honey Badgers, Home Wreckers, Fleece and Desist, T-Bags, and Smash to D. So all in my mid-tier. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting group. And I think, but I do think with that one record against head-to-head and one against league average, it is going to keep this group together. Because um, if you didn't have that, a team could easily get three or four wins without actually scoring that high. Yeah, and I think I think it'll be interesting though, because I think they'll all be in the hunt despite Smash Diddy trying to uh, rebuild. Um, I, you know, I don't see any reason why any of these teams can't take up those last two spots. And then we've seen what happens if your team gets hot the last two years with uh, your team and Jeff's team. So no reason not to be trying to uh to get in there all right so you want to hit the the remaining yeah so i actually have this separated into two tiers because i actually think that one is significantly worse and when i broke up the tiers the points per week difference is significant enough to call this two tiers for me so my tier four is drunken irishman and then my tier five is captain ahab so i think like you know, these teams are probably not going to make the playoffs. They would need a lot of things to go their way and a lot of things to not like go the other way for other teams to make the playoffs. Um, I think 
Riley's Captain Ahab has like zero chance to make the playoffs. Um, and Alex has an out, outside shot if, you know, he has some really good receivers. Um, he, despite trading up in the draft to take or trading down in the draft to take a $20 million contract on, he has, I think, Diggs, Evans, and Cooper. And then if Derek Carr like hits and just has like a great season, then then he could be right back in it. Um, I do not see that happening for Riley, though. Yeah, I think so. I think I think I kind of have it the same way. I think Alex will be in trouble with kind of the flex spots um, and the the running backs. I mean, there's a bit of help because it looks like Sony Michelle's back and Damian Harris is on IR, so it, he's kind of got Lindsey Michelle starting running backs and then Cooper Diggs Evans. So good starting position players, but then in I don't know. After that, it's it's thin. So, but it could work. It, you know, it could work because if everyone stays healthy, you know, there's eight teams make the playoffs. It's not that crazy. But yeah, Riley, I would I would agree. I would I'll say it. There is zero chance of that team making the playoffs this year. And I mean, I don't I, yeah. I don't know what else to, what else <laughs> to say. There's not there's nothing there's not a lot there. I guess anything could happen. And um, we've I'm, we've seen crazier things. One time this guy had most points and didn't make the playoffs so crazy things happen but there's just not a lot there i guess peterson landing on a roster helps him whereas there was a time when i was looking at these originally that he had peterson who wasn't on a team and that was you know that's obviously not good because the other starting running back latavius murray is you know in a share at best and you know he'll be he'll score good if camara's out um i just don't see it happening no and i mean hey you can't rule anyone out because things things could just fall like optimal for somebody, right? Injuries, all this, and then all of a sudden you're going. But I think I think the teams in this tier need a lot more to happen to make it versus the tier above where, you know, if they just run a little hot and, you know, have some injury luck, then they could easily get in. So um, he, he's not, um, I mean, he's not, he's not tanking in the sense that he was sharp, picked up Ozigbo with our first waiver run using that extra that you know that leftover cap space so um we'll see maybe you can make a couple more free agent ads i think he's got four or five million left too and can get himself up a tier or two we'll see well and that's that's the other thing too is like alex alex's two in 13th i think i'm assuming this would have had um taking a zero on the week that Carr wasn't playing. I saw he picked up Trubisky. So if he stays the starting quarterback, I know they both picked up guys on waivers. Zigbo could be a really good uh, pickup. Um, so you utilize that cap space and, and anything can happen. So um, yeah, who knows? We Only time will tell if we even get a season in. So there you go. It's all moot when they get shut down after week four. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps it up for the preseason rankings. We'll see if how right or wrong we are at the end of the year. I'm sure we'll be horribly wrong and Riley will be in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to eat our words if Riley and Alex are in the finals. We'll make, yeah. us, uh, make us look pretty bad. Yeah, Is there I anything, um, I think Ifdity sent out a, like a power rankings based on some, was it Fantasy Pro scoring? I, I think starting lineup scoring only. I don't think it had bench or IDP considerations, and it didn't have anything too different than us. Um, so it went Igtuna, Ryan's Ringers, Jeff, Carter, Serena. So it kind of had the same top group, and then it's got Alex second last and um, Riley at the bottom. So it's we've got the you know we've got the 
Rain Man behind us on this one, so we shouldn't feel too bad. Well, we'll blame him if he if if there's a problem with the rankings, it's his spreadsheet that caused it. So good. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. We'll uh, enjoy the season, and uh, I'm stoked. I can't wait to start setting lineups this week. Yeah, let's go. 